Welcome to the Kixology Podcast, a show all about running shoes. My name is Brian Metzler, your host and resident running shoe geek. I'm also the author of Kixology, a book about the hype, science, culture, and cool of running shoes. In this episode, I welcome Dan Feeney, PhD, who's an elite runner and also a biomechanics research engineer with BOA Technology in Denver. And Jonathan Wyatt, a six-time world mountain running champion, a two-time Olympian, and a running product specialist with La Sportiva. We'll discuss trail running shoe development, including La Sportiva's VK BOA and the forthcoming Cyclone BOA, the fit and performance advancements of running shoes, a recent University of Denver study about the closure of running shoes, and also the future of trail running shoes. Thanks for tuning in. Sit back and enjoy the show. All right, Dan, Jonathan, welcome to the show. Well, great to Thanks be for here. Having us. Uh, nice, nice to be here coming all the way from Italy. So uh, the world is still a small place. <laughs> yeah, the, the beauty of uh, electronic communications, which were already at our fingertips, but obviously in the pandemic, obviously have brought us closer together. And Dan, you're, uh, you're in Denver, is that right? I'm in Boulder. I'm just down the road from you, Brian. Right down the street in Boulder. Okay, I should have known that. Uh, you obviously the the Boa Lab is in is in Denver. Uh, so today, yeah, I want to talk about kind of um, kind of the uh, innovation of of shoe closure systems. I've often said that you know uh, there's nothing wrong with laces, and there's everything wrong with laces. And and you know I've I've tested 1,500 pair of running shoes in my life, and um, I think probably. The large majority of those have been laced shoes. There's been um, a handful that have had some kind of elastic closures and, and other mechanisms. And then certainly, obviously, in the last couple of years, last five years, so I've tested a lot of good boa shoes. Um, so we'll talk about that today. But I guess I guess in terms of the, 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 the evolution and revolution of shoes, of running shoes in recent years, um, has, has been largely about, about foam. You obviously talked about a lot of super shoes come out, a lot of foam and carbon fiber plates. And not much talk about other things um, in the realm of uh, kind of how performance um, has evolved. So I think that I, I really think that uh, the BOA technology system is really kind of on that fast track and it has been for a while to kind of advance that. So we'll have a discussion about that. But I guess maybe, Jonathan, from your point of view, you had this storied career as a runner. You've run on the track, on the roads, on trails, and you've seen shoes evolve during that time since you started running competitively in the 1990s. But but I would also argue maybe shoes haven't evolved that much relative to if you look at a shoe from, you know, say the 1994 Commonwealth Games that you were in to now, there's, there's not a whole lot of difference in structure of shoes but obviously, maybe this is one of the first things that's really going to change that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you completely, actually. Um, you know, when I look back at my uh, you know, very first proper running shoes that, was, um, that were bought by my parents, uh, um, and I think about, um, you know, the, the racing shoes that we are in now, um, yeah, there's, uh, you know, there, there's not a huge uh, visible difference uh, between the shoes and, and, and even some of the construction. Um, uh, probably my, my very first pair of racing spikes, there, there was a slight difference because they were made out of leather and they had a, um, they had fixed spikes in the, in the plate. Uh, and they were, they were handed down from, uh, from a few years before that. So, so that there has been an evolution from that pair of shoes. That's for sure. And uh, maybe Dan, you can you can give us you know your take. Obviously, uh, you're a biomechanics research uh, PhD at BOA. Um, obviously, you know what I used to describe BOA back in the day when it, when it first started back in the Steamboat Springs about 20 years ago. Um, you know, it was oh that dial system, that dial system, and it's it's certainly that to the layman, but it's much more than that. But maybe maybe give us your take on what BOA is all about. For sure. So I also am a runner and was a triathlete for a while. So this sort of area is near and dear to my heart. But one of the really cool things that happened at BOA about three years ago was we decided to build a biomechanics lab to see if we could inherently do things with our system that you can't do otherwise. So just like you were noting, there have been differences in foam, differences in other technologies on the outsole that have really made meaningful impact on the performance. You know, there's nothing wrong with EVA foam, but can we do things with some of the other foams that we couldn't inherently do with EVA? And that's exactly what we're trying to investigate and study in our lab at BOA, is understand if we fundamentally change how the shoe fits to someone's foot, can we actually improve their performance? And, and I've, been, I've been to the lab in Denver, and it, it's a fantastic place. Obviously, it's uh, certainly where where kind of science meets footwear and that's really fascinating to me as a, as a shoe guy um 
and, and certainly I've seen some of the things you guys have been doing, but I think that, you know, to me, you know, again, the evolution of BOA is pretty indicative in some of the shoes that have come out, but I think that, you know, the, the initial kind of dial systems that came out when I, I, you know, I had actually had a pair of snowboard boots and other, other running shoes. But I think now I think that the evolution has been, has been quite, uh, quite amazing. I think when I was there for, there was a show and tell the lab, uh, half ago. And I think one of the things that was really kind of um, uh, interesting to me was it was talking about, you know, uh, shoe closure performance and like, in like, you know, and, and, and how, uh, how the shoe can like really, or how foot can be part of the shoe so much more. And, you know, I thought, okay, well, they're just in the next phase of development, but, but really I think in the shoes that have come out, um, I think really there's been a lot of change that has happened. I guess, you know, I, I don't think runners understand really when they've been lacing their shoes for years, to get into a real modern closure system to see how different a shoe feels and how connected it feels. And I think that's really kind of part of what from, you know, me, the shoe guy kind of uh, has experienced. And, and uh, certainly it seems like that's what you're working on, Dan, is that right? Yeah, that's exactly correct. We really did, to your point, start as a, a closure system. When we were back in Steamboat Springs, it was a really convenient way to get snowboard boots fit onto the athlete. But we've evolved over the years and realized that we can do some more things than just close the shoe. And that's why we really refer to ourselves now as a fit system, because it's not just about closing the shoe. It's working with a great brand like La Sportiva and working with Jonathan and saying, okay, what is your goal with the shoe? And how can we then layer in and help power the upper to make sure that we really get the, the most out of all the insoles, outsoles and midsole packages? Absolutely. And I think that, you know, one of the shoes that I've, I've uh, uh, run in a bit is this La Sportiva VK BOA, uh, VK standing for vertical kilometer. Um, for those that don't know, the vertical kilometers is kind of fascinating discipline of a race where you basically uh, race up a, a literally a vertical kilometer, these super short and steep um, and grueling races. And, um, you know, the courses, courses are often technical. So obviously it's not only running super hard and super maxed at your red line, but also like, you know, you, you're trying to make precise foot placements to make yourself that much more efficient, which Jonathan, you can speak to you, obviously, and, and maybe talk about that relative to the shoe, because this has a really fantastic BOA system on it. And I've run in the trails around Boulder on it. And, and yeah, certainly it's, it's, um, it's certainly, you know, has that fit system going down, but it, it, it stays on my foot, but it's also just, it just becomes part of the efficiency of your running. And I think that's probably the goal for this shoe. Is that right, Jonathan? Yeah, look, um, you know, we often talk about having a, a sock-like fit, fit or um, or having the shoe as an extension of your foot. You know, that's that's the goal. So so you almost don't feel like you have anything on your foot itself, that it's um, that you're able to run over the terrain uh, to feel um, to, to feel precisely uh, how the terrain is, um, uh, is is shaped, but also being protected from the terrain, obviously from from rocks and uh, and, and impacts. So the VK is a, a good example because it was it's actually been an evolution because uh, the shoe started out with a uh, with a, a lacing system. I'm not going to say traditional lacing system because um, the actual actual laces themselves were uh, were threaded in a in a, a really unique way. Um, but we were always challenged with that by firstly, where do you put the lace ends? That was uh, that was a challenge. Do you make a separate pocket for it? Uh, and then you're always adding weight and complexity to the shoe. Um, and so, when we were thinking about um, yeah using uh, using the Boa Fit system, we thought, well, well hey, this could be a, a really good shoe to really really push the boundaries uh, even more of what the shoe can do because it's a shoe which is uh, incredibly lightweight, um, and that's really important for the vertical kilometer because you don't want to take any extra weight um, over, over uphill distances. And um, it's also a shoe which is a, has a very thin uh, midsole, um, just gives you uh, the smallest amount of protection, so you always feel like you're, you know what's happening on the ground. Uh, and, of course, with the upper, we just wanted it as, as lightweight and as streamlined as possible. So, so when we could put the BOA fit system on there, uh, we could have a really nice, precise closing system, which gave a uniform tension from the from the from the forefoot all the way um, all the way up to the ankle. And um, and of course, uh, we don't have any um, all of the all the extra bits of um, uh, of the cord are, are are integrated into the into the dial itself. So it's a very very clean system. Um, and uh, we really don't have. Uh, I would say even a, a very big weight um, uh, penalty over a traditional lace, like the the weight um, 
you know, the weight difference is actually quite minimal um, because you don't need eyelets and things like that that you would with a traditional lacing. So um, it's been a really fun project to work on this shoe because we could really um, think out of the box and just do something really different with it and, and, and explore what the, what the Boa Fit system could, uh, could offer to us. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I, I've run in this shoe on Mount Sanitas here in Boulder. And I think, that, you know, whenever you run in a really um, lightweight, minimal shoe, one of the things that happens when you're running on kind of jagged, steep terrain is it uh, in, in other, you know, minimalist race shoes like this with laces, I typically find that sometimes you'll have a foot placement and then the outsole will take the direction of the shoe. So like you might, you might place, you know, on a, on a, on a jagged off camber piece of terrain and then your foot goes that way and when your foot goes that way in traditional lace shoes uh kind of the it kind of rolls in the interior of the foot right and then even if just slightly and so you know and you immediately know like oh my laces are you know my, my, i'm kind of kind of off off center in my shoe and like all these things happen and it happens so immediately that there's nothing to be done about it but you know it and it also kind of um throws your stride off throws your grip off throws your balance off and it's small things like that and in in and that can happen in extreme ways too, where you can roll your whole ankle, obviously. And so I think that um, one of the things that Boa system does on this shoe is it really keeps everything secure. And I think that whole, yeah, that sock-like fit, that like extension of your of your foot kind of mentality really becomes apparent with that, um, which is really cool. Um, and, and I think that that goes to show that also, aside from just the Boa system that obviously Sportiva and Boa have worked on here, it has to do with the exact size and shape of the outsole and the midsole and all that, I guess. Maybe, you know, Dan, I know you guys work with a lot of footwork companies. Maybe take us through how um, how the process looks for working with a footwork company like Sportiva. Obviously, it just doesn't happen like, oh, here's your shoe. Let's put this on there, right? It's, it's probably a long-term deal. For sure. I think when we put the best shoes out with brand partners, it is at least an 18-month, if not more, affair. I, right before we got on this call, I was reminiscing with Jonathan because I was actually out there at La Sportiva's headquarters about a year and a half ago, and we were talking about both the VK as well as the Cyclone that we have coming up next spring with them. And we were really deep diving both the work that we do in our lab with some of the work that La Sportiva had done from their design development team and some of the feedback that Jonathan and other trail runners had. So when we have this really deep collaboration, starting really with the project brief about two years before a shoe gets launched. What's been really fun is we'll take the goal of the shoe, say, for example, the La Sportiva VK, we want to go uphill as quickly as possible. What then we can do within our lab is we can design tests to make sure that that fits within our, for example, endurance and health benefit. So we think that if we make a shoe fit better, it should be able to impact your endurance. Then to exactly your point, Brian, if you're talking about landing on those jagged rocks, these are things that people experience in the field all the time, and you can have these subjective feedback opinions. But one of the challenges that we bring into the lab is say, okay, how can we emulate exactly that? And then can we quantify some of the differences that we see if we make a really great product? And we'll actually test factory samples of the shoe as we go along the development cycle to make sure that each iteration that we make is living up to and exceeding the performance standards that we set from the previous one. Yeah, and I think that um, having been in the lab and you have a, you've kind of have, have a, like a, a modified trail system there where you you know you know people can run or walk over you know kind of rocks and logs and, and, and typical debris. Obviously, I, I know you've done interior testing like that. I've been there for that. I've also been out in the, out, the great outdoors with you guys having remote uh, sensing systems on on footwear. And to me, that really kind of showed kind of wow, they're really kind of going full bore on this. Meaning that like. Um, it, it's one thing to kind of, as a trail runner, explain what I had said earlier. And, and obviously, Dan, I know you understand because you're a trail runner too, but then to put that into science, I think is really cool because then you can really quantify kind of how the foot moves over, over terrain, but also how it moves with the shoe. And I think that for me, I think that, so obviously the, the, the BK shoe is a very, uh, you know, like race blade kind of a shoe and it's really cool and really narrow, but there's, there's more shoes that obviously you guys work with that have, uh, have uh, kind of been like, you know, your average everyday trail running shoe, which I think is cool. I mean, like, I think I've been in the, the Saucony Switchback um, which has, has, a, has a Boa system on it. I think the one that really kind of um, brought it home for me, though, was the uh, New Balance Hero. Because um, I, I run that shoe with laces and then with the Boa system. And it was night and day. It was a, so much of a better shoe with the Boa system. I think, I think it has two dials on that. Maybe, Dan, you can explain that. Because... Uh, I didn't like that shoe initially as it was laced. 
it seemed a little bit stodgy and clunky. I, I did I did appreciate the, the foam in it and everything else, um, and what New Balance was trying to do. But the BOA system uh, version of that was so much better. I mean, like night and day better. I, I guess maybe take us through Dan how that kind of came to be because that's you know that's I'm not sure that story completely got out relative to New Balance. Certainly, they still sell a lot of uh, shoes with laces, but that shoe especially was so much better with BOA. Thanks. I agree. I also really enjoyed that shoe. I wore it for the Imogen Pass run as well as a few other trail races, so I can personally say that I have enjoyed that shoe. One of the ideas with the design brief of the New Balance Hero was, look, a lot of cycling shoes have dual dial closure, meaning there's a a dial that controls sort of the instep fit, and then there's a dial that controls the more forefoot, midfoot fit. And why can't we bring that into the trail running space? So that was really where the idea came from. And then we said, with this, let's take this shoe that is a pretty high stack height, and can we make the upper conform a little bit better to the foot? Some of the research that we do in our lab focuses on how we actually affect an athlete's proprioception. So proprioception being how your body is moving in space and knowing where your body is in space is obviously critical when you're on the trail. You don't want to second, st- second guess where your foot is landing when you're on a rock or when you're traversing. So we designed this upper system where we had sort of a tri-panel, which is very similar to the VK, um, but we had two dials on it so that you could an athlete could say, okay, I really want heel hold and step fit maybe during a climb, but then they could dial in the forefoot fit during maybe a descent where they're trying to run a little bit faster. So we have done a number of tests on that shoe. And to your point, we started in the lab. We start with some really clinical testing where we can measure people on a force measuring treadmill, we're measuring force up to a thousand times per second. But then we'll progress them once we know what we're looking for onto our, our trail, which is right now it's only about 25 meters long. So the FKT on it is a little bit difficult. <laughs> but um, then once we have an idea of how those movements translate onto our infield or our in-house trail, we'll then move on to the actual trails themselves. So we have a 1K trail loop in Boulder that has a decent amount of climbing and elevation loss. And with that, we try to make sure that all of those things and benefits we saw in the lab translate directly into the trail. And Jonathan, obviously as an athlete and also as a, as, as a, as a shoe company guy, I mean, obviously that's exactly what you're looking for. I mean, obviously you're looking for that kind of performance in shoes. I mean, when, when Sportiva goes to make a new shoe, obviously there's a lot of different criteria and goals, but I guess from the point of view of the reason you're working with BOA, um, certainly it, it's exactly what he just talked about. Obviously it's all about performance and, and, and these measurable kind of results that then you can pass on to consumers. Yes, that's right. It's, um, and I, we really, uh, we really appreciate the investment, uh, in, into the technology and, and the backing behind it, because, um, there really is a good working relationship, um, between what we do and, and the expertise that BOA can bring. Um, so, it, unfortunately, we, we haven't been able to do it in the past year for obvious reasons, but uh, we would um, we would get together, we would uh, sit around the table and we would look at the prototype shoes. Uh, we would look at the the angles of the um, of the of, of the of the cord and to make sure they were all working so that there was um, there was a good um, a, a good movement, uh, and so you could always get the the perfect tension from from forefoot to midfoot to um to ankle area so all of the little details we could um we could really work on precisely together and um and and, and that really shows you know the, the backing of, of the boa brand and to um and into what we do and, and look i tell you what we um uh, our factory is in the middle of the dolomites um so when we walk out the door we can run on the most uh, difficult and technical terrain so last sportiva shoes are really built uh, for for running over any type of um, any type of trail, and and uh, we have a a very good um, good history, and uh, we have a lot of our team athletes are also uh, sky runners, and so uh, so we need our shoes to perform over the most difficult terrain. So um, so the VK is an example. Um, we really need a really good good foothold for those um, those uphill races, and then um, then of course with the cyclone coming out. We really wanted a shoe for the for the long distance sky running races, where we really wanted the absolute optimum foothold, but without any any of the any of the compromises that that might bring. Um, for example, we uh, we know that the the foot expands and contracts uh, when you uh, uh, when you uh, when you're running uphill, uh, your foot uh, heats up and it expands, and so 
we we needed a system to give a, a very good precise foothold but also be adaptable as well so you know together with boa we've come up with um we've come up with the, what we call the dynamic cage system for the uh, for the cyclone and that's where there's a little bit of elasticity um in the panel that um that that wraps over the top of the foot and that allows also that um uh, a little bit of that uh, foot expansion and contraction so it's been really fun sort of um you know kind of using the you know using the technology and pushing it as far as we can and and also getting the exact performance uh for for, you know, for the things that we want out of it yeah and I, I haven't been in the cyclone yet but i'm looking forward to that i've heard 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 bits about it uh the one connection we all have here is obviously uh sportiva is based in the dolomites but they also have the north american headquarters here in boulder and and jonathan i would i would envy envy on a daily basis your trails there except for Dan and I are, are fortunate to live outside uh, a great trail system here in Boulder as well. So obviously we have a mutual agreement in all the trails and, and such we can test. And uh, I think what you're talking about is kind of cool from a couple points of view. Certainly it's like it's the next generation of what's available for athletes to be able to push themselves as hard um, as possible. And as we, as we know that you know trail running is is still growing and soaring in many different levels, certainly from the ultra distance level, but also from the mountain running um uh, kind of competitions, but also, you know, FKTs are a big part of that too. And I think that, you know, the surge in FKTs last year uh, during the pandemic when there weren't a lot of races initially, and then there still weren't a lot of races toward the end of the year, there were some, but, but I think that if you look at the numbers um, in how fastest known times uh, soared last year, it's, it's really fascinating. So it certainly shows that um, there is a desire for people to run faster, both uh, on, a, on a global scale and trying to set these fastest known times, but also on a personal scale. I think that, you know, we might not be fast enough to go after FKTs, but certainly we can set our own personal FKTs. And for me, that happens on the mountains around Boulder and, and probably the same for you, Dan. But I, I think it also this also kind of talks about like the, the evolution of, of shoe design. And I, I've been fascinated in that for a long, long time. Um, certainly I wrote about it in my book, but also just like, I'm always excited to see new shoes come out, right? And like every spring when new shoes come out um, or, you know, backing up from that, you know, being able to witness the process of kind of how brands go through the development of things and what technologies are available, I think is really fascinating. And I think in the last 10 years, certainly we know about foams, we know about carbon plates, which I talked about, but I think uh, there's just more material science um, uh, that is available. There's certainly more materials, but there's also better understanding of how those materials um, can integrate with things. Certainly tensile strength and elasticity, all these things that are obviously uh, very, very geeky behind the scenes. Um, but obviously, uh, you know, we have very smart people in place uh, putting those into footwear designs and making, you know, things happen as you just described, Jonathan. Um, I think one of the biggest things, uh, you know, certainly this week, I think uh, a lot of this was validated. I know there was a uh, story in footwear science that came out, I think really that validated uh, what Bo has been doing. And I think uh, it was tied to the University of Denver. Um, Dan, I'll have you talk about that. I think it basically showed that they, there was a legitimate improvement of athletes. Um, and I think the three to 9% range, that's, that's, that's very real, right? Yeah, that was something that has been about two, two and a half years in the making. And this was a collaboration where we worked with the Human Dynamics Lab in the Department of Mechanical Engineering at University of Denver. And what we set out to do was, as you understand and as you've talked about in your book, with just regular running, if you're running along a flat road, running economy is, is the number one thing that most people want to measure because it's very easy, it's very relatable, and you can see an improvement very quickly there. What we set out to do is say, okay, what happens when you're trying to change direction, which as we all know in the trail space happens all the time, can we measure some of the differences in performance due to different fit systems when you're in that exact moment when you're trying to change direction as quickly as you can. So we had 31 athletes, which for a biomechanics study is actually quite big. We set them up with reflective markers, as most people have seen in some images before, and asked them to do four different movements where they were changing direction on a force plate as quickly as they could and as powerfully as they could. And look, this is certainly not exactly the movements you're going to be doing on the trail. But these are some standardized biomechanical measurements that we can take when we're in the lab. And then we know that because these movements are so standardized in the lab, we can make really robust comparisons. And then we believe that that information will trickle on to some of the subjective feedback you had already mentioned on the trail, Brian. 
So these 31 athletes had to change direction laterally. So when they're jumping from one foot onto another and then changing direction quickly back vertically, so jumping up and down, anterior posteriorly. So if you're running forward, you have to plant and then change direction backwards. So if you imagine a really, really steep switchback. And then a drill that's called a triangle drill. And again, this is a little bit more of maybe like what you would see on a court, but you're still changing direction sort of at a 45 degree angle. And each time the athletes changed direction, we measured six variables of performance. The first one is just how quickly did they change direction? But we can't measure just that alone because you can imagine someone might just really put their foot down lightly and change direction quickly. So we had five other metrics that understood how quickly the athlete was producing force, so the rate of force production, as well as how much work was done. And this is work in the mechanical sense. So if you can do a movement the same speed with less work, that means that you're a little bit more efficient in your movement. And we, we chalked that up to actually understanding exactly how much work was done at the foot, at the ankle, at the knee, and the hip. And so all of these things allowed us to look at the movement and say during that deceleration phase when you're absorbing energy, and then during the acceleration phase when you're producing energy, what's happening both within the shoe as well as what's that doing to the rest of your body. So that 3 to 9% that you saw, Brian, depended on the movement and then the variable that we looked at. Um, for example, our tri-panel configuration was the configuration that performed the best out of all of these. So backing up, all of the 31 athletes wore all four configurations that we tested. So we just had a standard lace model. We had what we call a lace replacement. So this is something where it still looks very similar to laces, the bow dials on the lateral side of the shoe, and then a tri-panel and a Y-wrap. And these are where we're really trying to look at using panels to change fundamentally how the shoe fits to the foot. And in that tri-panel configuration, we saw consistent improvements relative to all the other configurations. While we did still see some improvements relative to lace and the Y-wrap and the lace replacement. So all these things are really cool. But what we had to do was then really validate this. So we submitted this to the journal Footwear Science, and we worked with a really awesome collaborative team with the University of Denver, as well as Jay Dashari, who's a PT that a lot of people have heard about. He's done a lot of really fantastic running footwear research. And we submitted two papers. We have one that's been accepted that we were just talking about, and we have another one that's coming out um, hopefully in the next few months that's going to talk about really what was happening at each joint, so at the ankle, knee, and hip. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that are really fascinating to me. I mean, certainly um, to hear all that science uh, kind of put into reality is a great thing. I think even if you look at the, the rough number of 3 to 9%, I mean, if you obviously are privy to, you know, kind of the, the, the discussion that when Nike came out um, with their study about their uh, carbon fiber plate a couple of years ago at the University of Colorado lab, it was 4%, right? And so people are like, oh, 4%. But, but to, know, to know that there's 3% to 9% improvement in various areas um, kind of goes to show you that's a huge difference. We know what the, the 4 to 5% improvement in marathoning has done. But to know that there's a 3 to 9% in, in, in these movements, and certainly, yeah, understood this was taken mostly in the lab. But at the same time, you know, for athletes, uh, you know, like each of us or, or any athlete out there running trails, we know that um, it, it's hard to quantify and understand that. But the, the notion that there is improvement, right, when you are um, going over this uh, kind of um, off-camber kind of rugged terrain, and yet there is an improvement, um, you know, there's some days when, you know, you can run a Mount Sinitas in Boulder and feel much better, right? And there's a lot of variables that go into that. But when you know when your footwear is providing that much boost relative to um, being more efficient, being more precise, um, allowing your body and your foot to move, you know, more the way you intended to move, that's incredible. I mean, like Jonathan, maybe talk to that. I mean, like certainly if you if you were racing in the, the World Mountain Championships, which, which you did and won six times, but but also had a shoe that was providing, you know, up to nine percent improvement um, on certain movements. That's 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 a game changer, right? Oh yeah, for sure. You know, like and uh, and we're and we're all looking for um, we're all looking for gains. You know, wherever we can get them, for sure. Um, look, I you know I was just thinking, um, just thinking, just then we. I think the holy grail for for trail and, and mountain running shoes. Um, I, I've come up with two words: it's comfort and confidence on the trail. And, and, and those two words are almost um, almost uh, contradictory because if we talk about comfort, we kind of often think about uh, softness and, uh, and, and sponginess. And, and when we talk about confidence on the trail, we want the most secure and locked-in feeling possible. So it's about getting those, those two elements just right. 
So if we can have that locked-in feeling as well as being super comfortable for the for the longer distances and 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 being able to run longer and longer and, and as you mentioned uh, the FKT uh, the year of the FKT in 2020 um, really made us um, um, look up and and really applaud at at what athletes were doing in terms of um, you know they weren't just just sitting around and and. Uh, and 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 staring into their coffee, wondering when races were going to start again. Uh, I was so impressed that all so many runners wanted to get out and and push their limits and 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 explore their their trail running world as as as, as much as possible. And so um, you know we 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 certainly took notice of that and the fact that um, people want to run for longer and longer distances. And and so that's where I think those two elements of being comfortable for a long period of time and being really confident in, in your running helps you make, you know, helps you run faster for sure. Um, because, um, yeah, and, and, and just to have those numbers uh, where where you can see 3 to 9% improvement, um, and exactly as you said, that's that, they are actually big numbers um, because if we talk about even 1% or 2% improvement in running performance, that's um, that's significant. For sure, for sure. And getting back to the study, I'm, I'm sure that'll wind up on uh, the BOA website. So boafit.com is where you'll find that. But um, but uh, and, and Dan, back to you. Congrats on that. I mean, I think when I was at the at the lab uh, for that visit, I think there was that was probably underway. And uh, you know, I saw some of those uh, vestiges of what you were doing with the different models and everything else. And so it's fascinating to see that come to life. Um, and and, and uh, as you said, there's there's probably other other pieces that'll come out as well. But I think I think it's really fascinating to to know all this is coming together and it's very real. And I think, you know, at the same time, you know, uh, there's, there's still plenty of shoes with laces on them. Right. And, and, you know, it's, uh, it, it's a different world. And, and I'm not, I'm not sure that uh, we'll ever see laces go away because they're, they're simple and they're, they're centuries old. Um, but, but I guess, Dan, if, you know, if, if you were to, you know, I, I know you're not in marketing and everything, but, but like, if you were to explain to the common runner on the trails or on the roads, like, you know, you know, if they said, Oh, what's wrong with my laces? What, what is, is there, a, is there a common answer you'd give them? Or, or maybe it's not that simple, but, uh, but certainly, um, I'm, I'm sure that's, that's still kind of in, in the, the crux of what, you know, common athletes just take their laces for granted. Right. I mean, I think that's a fantastic question, Brian. And I started at BOA about three years ago and I was certainly not as fast of a runner as Jonathan, but I always took running quite seriously myself. And I asked myself this question while I was interviewing for the job and trying to understand what is wrong with laces? And, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with laces. I think what we're doing though with BOA and what we're doing with really cool brands like La Sportiva is we're working to say, can we improve on laces in the pinnacle product? So we are not, as you can imagine, as you can see with the shoes that we've been talking about on the podcast today, we haven't been working with just everyday trainers. We're just going to go out and, and get your base mileage in. We're really right now focusing on that pinnacle product where performance is an absolute key to success. Um, in that realm, I think because we can see improvements in some of these movements, really BOA is such a tangible feeling. So I could talk until I'm blue in the face about our science, about all the things that we do to validate our measurements and work with great brand partners. But I think at the end of the day, my goal is usually to, if somebody's questioning it, is just to try the shoe on because it's a really tactile sensation that I think once you dial in and you get that feeling of turning the dial and getting that fit, it's something that you really have a hard time going back to the feeling before, especially when the shoe is done really well. Yeah, and I agree. And it's like, you know, I, I still, because I, I test you know, shoes all the time, I, I still have tons of lace shoes. I, I will admit that like every now and then I'll think of like, oh, I wonder if this had a bow on it, how it, how it would work, you know, because as much as I like shoes and I, I think about shoes and I, I, I kind of uh, criticize or critique shoes for different reasons, different aspects of how they run. Uh, kind of where they're, you know, on, on the train, you know, kind of how, how my performance is on it. I do think that like, oh, this could be better, right? And that sometimes it comes to foam placement. Sometimes it comes to a heel lock. Sometimes it comes to outsole. And certainly a lot of times it comes to closure. I mean, we all have a different unique size and shape of our foot. I happen to have narrow feet. And so I do know that when, when I have a narrow volume or low volume shoe, I, I feel great in it, right? It feels very athletic to me. But I know also there are more medium width shoes um, or medium volume shoes and you know, knowing that there's other other runners out there in the world that have wider feet or um, you know in all fairness being you know different shape feet you know and so 
uh, that I think comes into play quite a bit um, when I test shoes because I, I get to see, you know, 50 different shoes in a season and like, oh, here's, here's, here's kind of all that's available. And, and knowing how different those are um, it is really interesting to me, you know, at the point of retail too. And like, I think, I think, you know, a good shoe fitter's job is one of the hardest jobs out there because they got to take all the unknowns um, that go behind a, a certain runner, figure them out in 20 minutes and put them in a couple of good shoes to test out. Right. And so I, I do think that, uh, you know, Boa is one of those things that kind of you know, changes the game for that. But also, I also wish like, oh, I wish there were more shoes uh, like that. But to your point, I think the, the high end performance makes a lot of sense. And we can, we can make parallels to other sports where if, if you're dealing with, um, you know, a, a certain sports that have like uh, cra- crazy high performance values. And um, if, you, if you didn't have those no sports like skiing, like race car driving uh, without that performance, you'd be totally lost. Right. And like, and to think, and to think that like um, there are shoes out there that are made for performance that don't have obviously this um, is, is, is interesting. And and it's also like, Oh, are those shoes archaic? You know, I mean, like, again, think think about skiing uh, a race with, with, with a, with an old 1960s ski or think about, you know, being in tennis with a wooden racket. I mean, obviously there's there's so many changes in so many sports at at the high performance level that are already there. And this just makes, Kind of the next sense of evolution uh, for trail running. I mean, and, and Jonathan, obviously, you know, if you, if you had these in your career, again, I don't want to, you, you had a great career, and I don't want to go back on that. But I mean, obviously, it shows, you know, what was available then, but also really from your point of view with Sportiva, kind of what's available now and kind of really how bright the future looks. Oh, absolutely. And uh, and we, we love the innovation. Um, we love we love pushing new technology as well and, and just seeing. Seeing how far we can how far we can go in terms of making a shoe which is uh, which is which is performing as as much as possible and we're super motivated by our team athletes so um, we have a very very strong La Sportiva uh, mountain running team both both in the states and and worldwide to be honest and uh, we we use them a lot for our testing so so when we're when we're testing our our VK uh, boa and when we're testing our cyclone. Um, we have uh, we have the the top uh, sky running and trail running athletes in the shoe, um, putting putting them through their paces and uh, um, and they you know they really um, yeah they really push them to the limit. So uh, it gives us confidence uh, in the in the product you know from from a uh, from a real life practical standpoint. And then having the research behind it as well that that Dan's been talking about really um, you know really gives us a lot of confidence in being able to um, being able to market it. And Jonathan, I think what's really cool about what you had said both this time and earlier was that that balance between confidence and comfort. And we a lot of times think about the balance between endurance and health. You know, if you have a shoe that that allows you to run as fast as possible and you you really just turned yourself inside out to run your PR or go up and down the mountain at, at your fastest time, that certainly probably isn't super great for your health. And it certainly probably wasn't didn't feel like a bedroom slipper. So it's been really cool both working in the lab to try to find that strike that right balance between optimizing endurance and optimizing health, as well as working with the athletes like Jonathan said, where these athletes need to be confident because if you're traversing a ridge during a sky running race, you do not want to be second guessing your foot placement at all. So that's where I think some of the subjective feedback comes back. Really interesting and exactly what you're talking about on Mount Sanitas, Brian. Yeah, I think the cool thing about all this is that you know we we've seen these FKTs, we've seen races, you know, we've, um, we've seen, we've seen the improvement of athletes, um, and, and pushing performance and, uh, hang on, there's a dog in the background. Sorry. Hang on two seconds. <laughs> I'm glad it was Brian and not me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's one of the things I'm, I've been juggling throughout the pandemic here. It's just like, you know, it's like I, I can plan for them. I can, coordinate them and then all of a sudden something comes up. Anyway, all right, don't get here. So, so I think I think one of the cool things is that we've seen the performance in athletes and especially in trail running improve. Um, you know, athletes pushing human performance with different kinds of training and certainly the competition in racing and obviously the FKTs are amazing where people are pushing themselves. But I think the interesting thing about maybe marathon running is it's, it's so quantifiable. You know, it's, it's on a measured course and you can do workouts that maybe um, push you to that point. I think I think this is one of the ways that first will kind of show the ability to um, show improvement, uh, maybe in a quantified way in, in trail running. Um, maybe not specifically. You're not going to see uh, those metrics on a course, but certainly this is going to play a big role 
um, and certainly other things too, uh, nutrition and fuel and, and different kinds of gear. But I think, I think it's, it's fascinating to see that, you know, trail running often was like, oh, it's just, it's kind of fun, you know, touchy feely, um, close to nature sport. Right. And it is, but I think that the, the performance aspect in trail running obviously is so apparent now, um, with things like this, uh, the, the BOA systems on trail running shoes. And it's, it's really fascinating for me because, uh, I'm a huge trail running fan. I've watched it evolve. And I think this is kind of, um, maybe, maybe what's next in trail running or one, one of the things that's next. And I think that, you know, Jonathan, you're so close to the sport. And, um, I think, I think we're all excited about kind of, you know, certainly getting more athletes into the sport, um, which helps push the uh, competition, but obviously also, uh, you know, these kind of developments, which really are, technologically infused i mean that's it seems like where we're going i absolutely i think there's you know there's kind of two or three kind of key directions that i see anyway in in off-road running in general and i, and I think that the sport direction um you know that we've all witnessed uh with, with the, the the rise and rise of fkts and i think that will that will just continue um i, I think um i think there is also more and more professionalism in uh, in off-road running. Uh, you know, we we know that there are, are very few athletes that can live from the sport, but um, I think you will will see the performance side of it uh, increase as, uh, as as the importance of trail running becomes more and more apparent to 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 the sports brands. And um, then I think on the on the specifically on the on the shoe direction i really see um big advances still to come in materials and construction of uh, of, of running shoes so i think uh, i think we've had a had a quite a few steps in just in, in recent times but i think there's there's still quite some some more to come uh, we've we've seen uh, we've seen with midsole materials um i think you you can also talk about uh, grip materials on the outsole um also and also on the construction of the upper as well because um, probably in, in trail running, um, we 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 know that we uh, we we can't minimalize uh, too much the the upper of the shoe, and, and really for us the VK Boa was that was the first shoe where we really did completely minimalize the upper uh, and said you know can we still get a foothold in a shoe which is which is so so minimal just by using a, a stretch mesh and and use, using the Boa Fit system. So um, yeah, we're we're really excited to keep pushing uh, pushing those directions to make to make lighter, more comfortable, and uh, and better performing shoes. And I think from a science side, looking at the performance of trail running is sort of in its infancy. There's been a lot of really cool research, even in the last two to three years, that have shown if we're looking at a subset of elite trail runners. So we're not looking at the entire race, but maybe we're at a sky running race or we're at a Golden Trail Series event we're trying to differentiate the top 10 athletes. There are some interesting new ways that we can measure these athletes that predict performance. So in marathon running, it's really easy to just have somebody run along the road and, and you measure their, their economy at their marathon pace. In trail running, the variable nature of the course means you're always going to be high intensity, low intensity, high intensity, and those oscillations. And, and for us in the lab, it's a really challenged to measure that. But there's actually a group that saw that one of the biggest differentiating factors for these top-level trail athletes was downhill technical performance. So once you're at a certain level, you have a high enough VO2 max and a high enough lactate threshold. The uphill, most athletes can stay relatively close to each other, but there can be really big differences on the downhill. And so I think to some of those points of trying to make a trail running super shoe, you for sure still need to be able to boost an athlete and enhance their economy as best as you can. But to Jonathan's point, looking at the upper and looking at how you're holding that foot onto the plate during those technical traverses or downhill sections becomes really critical because athletes are really ripping down the trail um, kind of mind-bogglingly fast nowadays. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I've, I've, I've witnessed the rise and rise of, uh, of, of, of downhill running performance. And, 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 and what I've noticed, the longer the distance, uh, so the longer the race, the more important the downhill aspect becomes in the race. So um, uphill running is, is, is as much about uh, economy and, and saving energy as much as possible. And you'll see the performance gains in terms of the differences between you know, the, the top athletes and the really top athletes uh, is really made in the downhill sections. 
I think it's all pretty fascinating. I, think, I definitely think downhill running is, you know, maybe taken for granted almost in, in terms of how you think about it. I mean, there's so much performance that is tied to going uphill, but I think certainly downhill, uh, a big part of it, obviously, and also uh, fascinating to see that uh, it's being quantified like that. So uh, this is all really cool. I, I know that uh, obviously this is just kind of the tip of the iceberg of kind of uh, both what BOA is doing and also what Sportiva is doing, but obviously we've seen some results so far, which is, which is pretty cool. Uh, Dan, I know that you guys work with a lot of other footwear companies, but also through a lot of other sports. I guess maybe I'd ask you kind of how do some of those learnings uh, translate to running and trail running? Um, um, I know you have different kinds of closures, different types of footwear, different types of materials. I imagine there's a lot, lot going on that, you know, whether in the break room or whether in the lab room, you're like, oh, this could work here. This is pretty cool. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's a huge benefit of, of kind of all these different footwear uh, combinations. That is one of the coolest things I think about BOA is that we work in so many different segments. So because there are so many different segments, you know, our, our heritage being snowboarding, but everything from snowboarding to golf to trail running to cycling all comes through our lab. So instead of looking at each segment um, by itself, it, because it can get a little bit daunting, we try to group them into broader categories. So we'll look at agility and speed movements, uh, endurance and health movements, and power and precision movements. But just earlier this week, for example, I was up testing snowboard boots uh, with athletes using sensors on the snowboard hill. And I think what's really interesting is that we can take some of those learnings and, you know, I might have an athlete be throwing a backflip off a jump. And originally you might not think, why does that matter to trail running at all? But some of the things that we've done in snowboarding about trying to lock the heel into place, trying to allow flexibility in areas of the shoe where you do need flexibility give us really cool insight and actually allow us, I think, to unlock potential in other spaces like trail running. And then to your point, when you think of high-level sports, there is a lot of crossover. And sometimes ideas that start in one area can permeate to others and become really fascinating. So honestly, every week we're testing different shoes. And I think we do see that really cool cross-pollinization. Um, the Hero was a cool example of that, where we took the cycling idea of a dual-dial shoe and put that into trail running. Maybe the last thing I'll ask you guys, I asked a lot of people is, is kind of what's next in shoe development. I mean, I think that, you know, we all can look, um, you know, down the road and you know, have this pie in the sky thing, but maybe Jonathan, I'll start with you. Um, you know, as a trail runner, I mean, I guess I'm guessing in the 1990s, you probably started running in road shoes, right? And um, there was probably only a few trail running shoes that were really available. And even those, as we know, were pretty limited in kind of how they performed on trails. Um, and, and as we have known that trail running has evolved in terms of what stuff we run on, what terrain we run on. Uh, obviously, uh, shoes have too, but I guess maybe just look down the road. What, what do you what do you think is possible uh, in the next five, ten years for trail running shoe development? Yeah, look, um, yeah, I, I think it's exciting. It's exciting, really. Um, you know, we we I think it's we're following the the sport as it evolves, and and if I just look at our La Sportiva mountain running collection and just look at the the, the variety of shoes we have in it, um, it's. It, it's it's a little bit mind-boggling just uh, just just thinking about it uh, all the way from the VK Boa um, up to the up to the new Jackal, which is um, which is really a shoe for for really long distances, and um, and, and so you know, for us we you know the evolution is 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 following the sport direction, but also the excitement of being able to work with uh, new technologies and, and and new materials and constructions. And, uh, and so, um, I, I, I was, when I was thinking about this, this podcast, one idea popped into my head, you know, a memory really from years and years ago, it was um, watching back to the future and Michael J. Fox in his, in his, in his shoes where he jumps in his boots and the, and the boots lock automatically over his foot. Um, that was, that was an image, which is, is kind of stayed with me for so long, but, um, it, it sort of comes back to the um, you know, back to the roots of what we're trying to do here is, is, is have a shoe really being in, a, in an, an extension of the foot and not even knowing that it's there so that we can run with uh, complete freedom. Um, and I, I'm not talking about the, just talking about minimalist shoes, for example, but um, really having 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 the confidence to to run over the terrain as if you you're not thinking about the shoe that's on your foot. Yeah, that's a great point. And it's funny that, that, that Back to the Future kind of shoe that, that you know, Nike, Nike was the brand behind that. They actually made a prototype, but I actually saw that work, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago. I saw that come to life and it's like, you know, it, it's just it's just funny that we can always like think and dream about what's possible. And then all of a sudden, you know, in our lifetimes, it's it's come to be. And I think that's pretty cool. I think uh, certainly that's 
we've seen a lot of changes in evolution uh, of road and trail running shoes that have really kind of kind of made that made that reality. And Dan, what about you? What do you think is possible in the next uh, couple of years? Yeah, I think certainly within our lab itself, I know we have a very large endurance and health study coming on specifically trail running shoes. So just like we did for our agility and speed study, where we looked at these quick changes of direction, we're now looking at a 30 to 40 person study where we're going to have athletes running on a treadmill at a pretty high percent of their um, intensity. So about 80 to 85% of their lactate threshold. And we're going to measure a bunch of, you know, how their feet are moving, how their joints are moving, as well as forces underneath their body and metabolics. And we're going to measure some other things like proprioception. And I think that for us is the next big step for our lab. And then I think just trying to think more generally, what's really interesting for me is kind of what Jonathan touched on is we saw this uh, super shoe boom in marathon racing. And as somebody who's still trying to race and trying to go after uh, their PR for marathons, uh, it's been really exciting to see. And it's been really fun to feel how these shoes feel on your foot. And it really can make a different experience in your run. I'm really excited to work on the, the trail running super shoe and to try to evolve with brands and with um, people like Jonathan, figure out what, what can we do to make a trail running shoe take that next tangible step and, and really make it so that trail running can be even more fun than it already is. That's a good outlook. That's really good. It's really exciting. And, and for me as a shoe geek, I think that uh, certainly, yeah, I mean, what I've, what I've learned, you know, from talking with some of the people um, in the inner workings of, of uh, science and, and, and shoe design, like you guys, uh, that, that, yeah, anything is possible. And I think that, you know, obviously innovation uh, sometimes uh, happens and fails. Sometimes it happens and produces world record results. And so obviously the beauty of that is there's there's so many different people working on this. Um, certainly what, what you guys are doing at the BOA lab and also at Sportiva obviously are two, two great elements of that. Um, but with that, it's been a great conversation. Uh, we'll wrap it up here. But uh, uh, Jonathan Wyatt, uh, former elite runner who's now with La Sportiva, thank you very much. And Dan, Dan Feeney, PhD, uh, manager of the Biomechanics Lab in at the BOA Technology Center in Denver. Thank you very much. It's been very fascinating. Thank you, yeah, guys. Been, been been an absolute pleasure. And I love Dan's point uh, at the end there. He said uh, it's 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 about having fun, and that's what we that's what we love to do. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Kixology. A big thanks to Dan Feeney of BOA Technology and Jonathan Wyatt of La Sportiva for a fascinating conversation about trail running shoes and the advancement of trail running shoe closures. Please be sure to check out boafit.com and sportiva.com to see more of what they're involved in. And please tune in each week as I talk about all things running shoes, from the newest models, the latest trends, breakthrough innovations, and look at what's coming in the future. Also, be sure to pick up a copy of my book, Kixology, The Hype, Science, Culture, and Cool of Running Shoes.